Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Let's Talk XFL, the only podcast solely focused on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host Michael Lathrop. Hello football fans. This is episode 18, Fulfilled Absence. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code Let's Talk XFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. As I had previously mentioned during last week's episode, I am out due to a medical procedure. So, for this week's episode, there will not be an update as to XFL developments. I have included a previously recorded discussion I had with Bert Tierce. To remind you, Bert is the administrator of True XFL and USFL fans, as well as the Birmingham Stallions official fan group on Facebook. Bert also frequently appears as a guest on multiple alternative football shows. What do you think about the LA Wildcats and their situation? I'm a huge fan. Here's my three must cities. Like if the XFL called Bert up and said, Bert, look, we got three teams, four teams we're going to add, where would you put them? One is a must, a must, San Antonio. That's number one. Number two, if you can talk to the gentleman that owns the soccer team in Portland into using his stadium, Portland would be number two. They support their teams big time in Portland. Three, Oakland, even though we know the stadium, we're very familiar with it. It's been around long before we were, we were here, but Oakland would definitely support a team and or San Diego. That would be my spots. Where would you consider? I know there's a lot of talk in the circles with Facebook groups and whatnot about L.A. and New York. Television broadcast is what this is all about. That's where mm-hmm. the money is going to come from. Yeah. Right. That's where longevity is going to come from. It's mm-hmm. not parking. It's not the ticket right. sales. It's not the it's concessions. Yeah. It's not the merchandise at the stadium. We as fans go to the games, and that comes across as the most important thing. It is right. important. It looks right. important on TV. You don't want empty seats. Right. But to get a broadcasting agreement, and one that's worth anything, mm-hmm. and you need to make money, that's where t- right. your two, three, four, and whatever's going to give them, without that long-term agreement, right. and that guaranteed money up front, because that's what it does. This is what we're right. paying you for the year. Yep. You need New York and you need Los Angeles. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people out there that really. My only problem with New York was Vince should have had them in Red Bull Stadium because Red Bull Stadium won the bid to begin with. That was my opinion. That was my only problem with New York. Can't play in an 83,000 seat stadium and bring only 14 to 17,000. You can play in a 25,000 seat stadium and bring 14 to 17,000 people. And it looks very different on television. I agree with that. And just so you know, I was a Guardians fan and a season ticket holder. So I was there. I saw how bad it was in person. I can only imagine what it looks like on TV. And 
for the record, I was a New York Red Bull season ticket holder. So I drove four hours from Syracuse down for those games. My goal was to match them up with guy weekends and whatever, all that. I know what both of those are. And I'm telling you, Red Bull Arena is where it needs to be. Now, you asked me about my must-haves. If we're talking about cities that didn't already have teams, because I think St. Louis is a must-have. If we're going to look outside of what the XFL already had in 2020, my must-have is San Antonio. My must-have is San Diego. Orlando, because Orlando wasn't, right? I think Orlando is a must-have. I think Oakland would be in a top four. I don't know if I'd rate Portland as high, but, you know, thinking about it, Paulson is the owner that you're talking about because I'm also a big soccer guy, owns the Portland Timbers, and that's the stadium you're talking about. And they also host college football in that same stadium already or have at least in the past. So I was they, told that he's no longer going to allow that. Now that I'm not familiar with it, but I heard he's a tough guy to deal with, and I heard he wanted to keep it a big soccer venue. So if, if the Rock be. can overcome that, you know what I mean. I know it's been used in the past. Yes, there might be new hurdles. He does right. also own a professional women's soccer team that plays there as well. So looking in that same window could start to get tough with scheduling games. If you look at the men's soccer, this year they're going to start February 26th is the first time in February. Usually it's March. But either way, so now the XFL would be running head-to-head with the men's team. It would already be there. The women start later, but if the XFL get into even, say, April, they're playing some games, then technically there could be conflicts there with a men's team and a women's team and an XFL team. It could be maybe just too much of a conflict where college football might still put that conflict in these leagues in the fall because their seasons run so long from August into September and early October before they get the playoffs and stuff. I could still see it being the same issue. If they were looking, they didn't want three teams trying to schedule it. Plus with concerts and all that stuff, I could see maybe it's not worth a team. That's only guaranteed five home games for scheduling conflicts. That could be the hurdle. I think Oakland and San Diego both financially would be fantastic scenarios. I, I just worry about that stadium in Oakland, which is why they don't have the Raiders now. And at some point, the athletics are going to have to move. I, I guess for the XFL, it's fine. But I'm so high on Oakland because I know they would support a team. They're, they are good fans. You know what I mean? Diehard fans. Yeah. Yeah. You know, St. Louis and Seattle, they've got to bring those two cities back. Uh, there's no doubt that those cities are money makers, you know. Seattle was not far behind St. Louis in attendance. Things were trending in the right direction as well. I don't know if they would have got the potential reported the Battlehawks were going to have with that 50000 for the next home game. That would have been awesome. One more game, that would have been awesome for the XFL. I don't know if the Seattle would have had that, but I think I was hearing reports that they were upticking where they were going to crack 30, which still would have been really good for the league. They've had already uh, a few, I can't remember if it was 2,000, 4,000, 5,000, however many sold in the upper deck already. They had opened upper deck. It, it was going to be in the 40,000, 45,000 at a minimum. Um, for Seattle? That was a, a, oh, no, no, no. For uh, St. Louis. I'm sorry. St. Louis yeah. was on their way to cracking 50. Right, right. Seattle was the one that I was hearing 
that their next home game, they might have cracked 30,000, which would have been right. a good thing. Now, like I said, they were right. also the only dilemma there is that it's also a huge stadium and it kind of has that bad look on television, yeah. even well, though it, it, it's successful. Bottom, you know, the whole bottom was full. I worry about Seattle and I, I've looked into patents. I've tried to. If they are bringing in new teams like they promised, you know, the Rock said they're bringing in new teams, new cities, I can't find them. So they've got to be filing these patents. What I'm being told is they're filing them in a different country like Mexico or Canada. And then when they release the team names and cities like they're supposed to do this week, then they'll they'll pull them over to the American side. But that's why I'm having trouble finding any new team names or cities. But back to Seattle real quick, I worry about what kind of state McMahon and the league left Seattle in, considering Seattle was the first city to shut the league down and tell them, you know, you can't play, you know, we're shutting everything down. And I hope there's still a good relationship there, and I hope that The Rock and all of them have obviously reached out to the city of Seattle and tried to renew that lease like they have St. Louis and probably other cities. The only bad blood that could happen that I would see still existing today would be something through bankruptcy because bankruptcy doesn't mean you're automatically protected from not paying whatever you owe. If there's outstanding uh, debt, usually a small percentage. Correct. But if there's outstanding debt, who was owed and in what manner for what purposes that could be enough that that needs to be settled. Even though with purchasing, through bankruptcy typically it's still the old owners that need to still take care of it unless you agree in the terms of the bankruptcy purchase that you're going to take that on but let's say that there is an outstanding debt and let's say it's not 3.0's responsibility but if i'm sitting in that right ownership group with my executives and i'm looking at that's the hurdle to get there and that was the second best team as far as fan base wise. Right. It is a significant right. uh, broadcasting market. Why would you not consider spending that money? It can't be so astronomical that it's no, worrisome. not for one season. Yeah. I can't comprehend that it's that bad. Now, I understand that Jerry Cardinal has been very open in stating that his job in the ownership, each one of them bring their strong points and they all rely on each other for their expertise and his nugget or his chunk is financial. What he's promised to bring to the table is that the XFL will pay for itself. Right. It will not carry debt. There is going to be a plan. Everything they're going to do is going to have a purpose. Right. Not just going to just start dumping stupid money and burn themselves out in year one, two, or three. The goal is to make a sustainable business that is going to pay for itself. And he right. has experience doing that in other sports entities. Heck, they just bought the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're part of that ownership group. Redbird yeah, I Capital. think it's part of uh, the Red Sox too, is he not? Believe, right? There's a chunk there as well. But when you look at it, he understands sports. He understands yeah. this landscape. He understands money and how to make it. 
And I think he would see Seattle as an important piece. I don't know how you figure out the stadium thing. Obviously, there's no soccer stadium in the city. Even if you start looking at collegiate stadiums in the area, I don't think there's anything really right there that's that significantly smaller that makes it look any different. Because now you start heading further out to the suburbs. You're not really right. in the heart of the city. Uh, it was now right. Lumen Field. It used to be called Century Link. Is in a very nice place where people can just go on game day and hit up bars, restaurants. It's just in a very good location. You don't want to lose that. I don't know how you make it look better on TV, but maybe you don't have to. If you listen I think to, it looked really good on TV compared to New York because it's a smaller stadium. A and B at twenty five or thirty thousand. You know, in the lower bowl, pretty much the whole lower bowl was full. And, you know, and it, it gave a good look. Like you said, I think MetLife, whatever, it's 80,000. 1,500, almost 83,000. All right. And the Seattle Stadium, I want to say 67. Yeah, uh, could very well be. I, I want to say it's about 33 to 35 on the bottom. So it it, it looked a whole lot better. I mean, MetLife's just huge. You know what I mean? It, it's just huge. And. And they had half the fans that, that Seattle had, basically. One stadium I hope they go back to in one area, and it seemed like the fans received it real well, and that's D.C. Uh, Defenders. That was a real cool soccer stadium where they were at there, and they were definitely supported. I, I don't know the overhead situation at that particular part, but it seemed like it worked out well. It can't be a bad situation. Yeah. I believe the stadium is around 17,000, 18,000 seats, which is really on the small side. Right. right. But starting out, most teams didn't average any, even near 20 anyway. It yeah. looked full all the time. They had an engaging fan base. I mean, the heck, they had the yeah. beer snake that was right. not only a fan favorite there, but people watching television, anyone that's a fan of the XFL or even casual fan remembers that. So just certain yeah. things that just click there. That's what you want. Yes, the stadium it doesn't allow for growth. Once you actually sell it out, that's it. But what that can do is you want to maintain that image on television for one. It doesn't right. look that small. It doesn't look like a 17, 18,000 seat stadium. No. No. But, but what does it also start to do? There's another aspect in business. I studied business management, sport management in college. So I, I have a history working in it too. Yeah. The thing in business is it's one thing you want to keep trending up, whether it's attendance and you want yep. that. The thing is called demand. Demand yep. part of it is, okay, well, we still have seats, so we can keep selling it. But what happens in a lot of these major sports cities? They have season ticket holder waiting lists. And what yep. happens with that list is that the demand gets so hungry, they're willing to pay for it. And that's yep. the other thing. It's called supply and demand. At some yep. point, not that you want to outprice anybody, but if the demand gets strong enough, that's when your product has made it. Right. There's Absolutely. a reason why the Boston Red Sox have not built a new baseball stadium. Yep. In today's age of sports, their stadium is so small, but they don't care because it's sold out. Yep. And the demand is sitting there for season tickets. There are people that are begging to buy other people's season tickets. That fever pitch or whatever movie is not a joke, people. 
No, I know no. diehard people from Boston that say that's a real situation. It is sometimes hard to get if you're not buying second, but that's what's also driving up this thing. And you're not giving away tickets trying to get people into an 80,000 seat stadium. There's no reason for it. Make it look good on television because that's where you're going to make your money. It's not even right. game day. It's really not. When I was going right, to no. the Guardian games and parking was, oh, what was it? Something stupid. I can't remember. I was spending more in parking than I was my average ticket on the wow. season. What was it 30, 30, 35, 40 there. bucks? I don't know. So it was something stupid that when I pulled up the second game, my fiance was with me and I had a, we rented a minivan to come down with a bunch of buddies and yeah. they couldn't believe I was paying whatever it was. I don't know, maybe 35 bucks or whatever it was. And I think I had end zone second row seats. I think my seats broke down to be 20 some dollars per seat in the season ticket package. I had such good seats. It didn't matter where I parked. It was, I think it was like 30 some dollars, 30, it might've been 35 bucks or something. It was crazy. We were paying NFL parking for an XFL and there was no demand for parking spots, but we were still, that's what I'm saying. But when you get to a point where demand goes up, you can start increasing prices. It doesn't have to be what we're seeing in the NFL, I mean, that's where the USFL is actually in their their hub, if you will, are doing pretty well with $10 seats on up. But obviously, you can't do that in the XFL. You, you got to cash in to some extent. Yeah, they got to do something different. Stadiums like that, cash in on it. Get sellouts for a while. How often do we hear in sports? Today is the 34th consecutive sellout this team has had at home. Wouldn't it be nice for the XFL to say that? Do you think people care? I mean, do you even think they're doing the math trying to figure out those stadiums don't look that small on TV, but if they start hearing that it's success, the league's a success. Yeah, I think, well, there's something to this. I'm going to start watching it. And you know what? It, it was amazing how many of my SEC buddies that I brought over to the XFL group and turned them into XFL fans. And some of them like, we're already talking about, man, we can't wait for the XFL to start back in 2023 and they you know i keep them updated hey we should find out the new team names and cities this week and they're like oh that's awesome man i just can't wait and like hey the usfl's come on too and i said just think about it you're gonna have regular football to january super bowl february and then from february to april you're gonna have xfl and from april to july you're gonna have usfl i said now that's year-round football (laughs) it don't get no better than that can we just have it? Make it. Let's go back to 2.0 XFL, right? Vince oh. starts selling off a bunch of his shares at WWE to guarantee it all this money for Alpha Entertainment. And they claim right. there was enough money there for guaranteed three seasons. My last episode, I shared some of uh, Daryl Moose Johnston's um, comments on a sports radio show. And if anyone hasn't caught my episode 14, He said the pandemic hit Vince McMahon so hard. His net worth, he wouldn't say the dollar amount, how bad it dropped, but it dropped so, so much that Vince had to make a serious decision. And we all know the XFL is a pipe dream for him. Not that it can't make it, not that it won't, but the WWE did. And that's what made him a billionaire. He right. could not 
take a chance with that money that he'd already sold sitting in the bank and continue to invest in this when he had to make sure that made it. That's where he already had long-term broadcasting agreements that were worth it. If he let that fold because he was willing to still work on the second entity, he would have lost it all. Yeah, it would have ruined him. I've never been a fan of events at all except for I love his love for football and trying to do his own thing and all that because, you know, I always have dreamed about that since a little kid, you know, somehow being able to do something like that. But Vince had no choice. I knew a person that was in the room when Seattle started to shut down and he picked up the phone and called Trump, hung up the phone on Trump, hung up on him, and then turned around, snatched it back up and called Trump back. And he was just scrambling because he he knew he had to somehow finish this season or he was going to have to make that decision. And Vince had no choice. And, you know, he was trying to get some type of agreement and some type of uh, commitment from Trump on trying to protect, you know, his games and and allowing. And there was nothing that could be done. You know, they shut down the whole country. We didn't know what kind of scale this thing was going. You know, I, I might not like Vince's personality and all that. I'm not a big wrestling fan, but Vince had no choice. Like you said, he, he had no choice but to shut it down immediately. And he did long-term what was best and what was right for him and his family. What people, I think, fail to realize or recall, when Vince was selling, because he had a bunch of shares himself, he was selling his own shares to raise the cash. There's a difference between net worth and actual what you have in the bank. Right. So to raise the actual cash flow, that was going to guarantee the XFL for the three years. He was selling off a good portion, not all, but a good portion, his personal stock in the WWE. When he did that, WWE stock itself was dropping. Yep. It was plummeting. Even though he knew what it was going to do, he did it. He put the WWE at a point that when that type of stuff, that has ramifications in business. Right. People see that, you know, the people that are doing business with you, whether it be broadcasters, suppliers, whatever. The board right? members were freaking out. Yeah, because I mean, think about when you go to banks and they look at various things that show your strength in position in a market and all that type of stuff. Right. right? Guaranteed. Right. He wasn't looking at it at that point because the pan- pandemic wasn't anything. 2018, he's getting rolling. 2019, he's still building up to 2020, doing his thing to set the XFL where it needed to be for the current day and for its foreseeable future. Pandemic hits. It starts impacting stocks even more because everything starts shutting down. It's the world goes into panic, so to speak. You know, you're seeing whatever's happening in Italy first and all these everything. Well, is this going to happen to us? And, you know, we didn't know to what extent anything was going to be. It yep. was so uncertain times that it even hit him further. And that's what, again, coming back to, he had to make a decision. I can't right. fault him as a person. I know there's a lot of people that are not going to, but some people do. They're like, oh, you just need to stay the course. If you are worth X amount of billions of dollars 
and in a blink of an eye, I'm not saying this is exactly his situation, but it can't be that far off that you're potentially worth half or a third on the books for net worth that you were just potentially a week, a week before a month before, you know, six months. Yeah. According to Daryl Johnston, it was such a significant hit. He had to make a decision. We're not talking about you and I, I have a hundred dollar bill and I lost five, $10 of it. Okay. No, we're talking significant hit that a billionaire has to make a tough decision. Let that sink in people. A billionaire had to make a tough decision. It was going to impact him, his wife, his kids, his grandkids forever if he made the wrong decision. That's a lot of weight on that man's shoulders. You build an empire, do you want to see it crumble? Exactly. I mean, we already knew he had other competitions start to come in within that realm. Anyway, I'm not a wrestling guy, but at least I acknowledge the AEW and all the other stuff. Yeah. Right. He no, had I'm an empire, that, but he had an empire. And I, as a, a man with intelligence, you have to look at all the facts and understand it. The XFL wasn't a failed experiment. No, so not, not one, even close. 1.0 was. Oh, yeah. That, that was a three ring circus. But 2.0 was, was done not so fight. well, was right. done so well. Some of us get together. I'll talk to a guy from, you know, Missouri tomorrow, or I'll talk to a guy from Kentucky tomorrow, or uh, California tomorrow. We just talk about what a great job they did at 2.0, how well it was marketed, how well they teased us with the logos, and the, the, then the, how well they disclosed the team names, you know, and, and the logos, and how well that was done. And, you know, they kept us in the loop. We got to watch the draft. It was just, it really is, excuse my language, it's a damn shame what happened to the league in 2020 because that was probably going to end up being one of Vince's greatest ever accomplishments. And then he, it's like he got punched between the legs and in a dark room and he didn't even know that anybody else was in the room with him. That was what it was like. This is what I take away from it. Maybe he's learning from his mistakes because Vince learned 100% from the mistakes he made from 1.0 to 2.0. He hired yeah. right people. Yep. Oliver Luck, Pollock. Oh, I miss, I miss Oliver. Go oh. down the thing. He hired people with football, that industry that understood it and were going yep. to get it right. He hired the right people. Yep. Now, take a time out. Pandemic, bankruptcy, changes the world for us. Right. New businesses coming in. Danny and Dwayne were looking to partner to purchase in bankruptcy, and Redbrook Capital was its own entity. Found out that they were going right. to be the only two entities that were going to go in in the bankruptcy auction. Well, they make a phone call. And now that phone call, well, there's only going to be one bid because we're together now. They got together, and we have somebody that has a sporting background with various professional sports teams and whatnot. We have somebody that's really good in the entertainment, the way that they're involved in all these products, and everything they touch just turns into gold. Yep. I'm not saying a savior. I know there's other. Everybody seems to like him, and everybody knows him. He knows how to market. His social media is just, just unreal, the followers he has. 
I don't want to say he's a savior. I know some people think he can right. walk on water. It's one thing to be likable and be successful, right. and that's what he is. But I really think when it comes down to pulling this off, they are going to bring aspects to this that right. most can't. Right. The, the driving force is going to be Redbird Capital. Yep. I don't, Jerry. I, I know everyone keeps saying The Rock, The Rock, The Rock. And I know different. I have a podcast. We have a right. show. I mentioned him when he mentions things because it's, it is news for the league. Right. Jerry Cardinal and his investors also are the ones that are not getting the credit from the XFL fan base that need to because that group right there are going to be the ones. We've already seen it. Russ Brandon, Mark Ross, Doug Whaley. You just keep going down. The, these people are all experts in those areas. They're not going back to the old way where the rock's going to sit in a room, wrestling executives trying to come up with weird ways to get people intrigued into the games and stuff like that. No, this is going to be done right. Rock will be the face of the league to a certain extent, but the heavy lifters are the ones that Jerry and all them hired. Like you said, the Russ Brandon, all the guys, and some of them was there for 2.0, like you've mentioned. And you want to talk about how cool and how well done 2.0 was and what a wonderful job Oliver Luck did. When you saw him laughing and, and taking his empty beer cup to the beer snake in D.C., was that not one of the most fantastic moments in, in, in spring football history? Everybody's like, you know, he's one of us. That was the impression he gave. It was like, this dude just sit here, drank a beer, and went over there and added to the beer snake, and he's the commissioner of the league making this amount of money. I said, this dude is one of us. You know? Bert, I agree. They say a pitcher tells a thousand words or stories, whatever. But this yeah. one, I'm curious. Did anyone actually see him drink the beer? I, I thought about that, too. I did. <laughs> he might have picked it up off the field. I thought about that. <laughs> Trying to start a conspiracy theory here. I'm just saying. <laughs> if anyone's, my mind. <laughs> anyone is listening to the show and you know, or do you have a clip of that, please just share with me. Twitter handle at Let's Talk XFL or my personal one at XFL Mike. Or if you're in the, the group true football fans of uh, XFL and USFL football fans. Just let us know. Somebody, please. Is there evidence that Oliver Luck actually drank that beer before contributing that empty cup to the snake? And now, he help was me sleep arm, night. arm with his wife, wasn't he? I believe he so, was, if I recall. He, he had a big grin on his... The biggest smile, yeah. It was so genuine that it would be tough for me to believe that he didn't drink it. You know, that would really suck. <laughs> benefit of the doubt but i just don't know for certain so i just thought i'd ask just putting it out there <laughs> no I, that was, I thought about it too and i'm like the way that they're acting pretty good actors if he didn't drink it it's all funny that either way awesome. that was awesome and then they had the guy in the uh the navy suit kind of looked like the colonel was there right there at the snake and he just thought you could just tell it was just it was the greatest thing, man. And it's fun. It's what spring football is all about, man. It's chasing your dream. Some of these guys are doing it just because for the love of football. It's just there's so much more spirit to me in spring football than in the NFL where you've got a prima donna, excuse my language, making 10, 15, 20 million dollars a year that will never have to work a day in his life ever again. There's something I don't know, man. It's just special. It's just like college ball to me. It really is. Prime example. I'm not saying it's 
it will never happen. I don't believe we will ever see an Antonio Brown situation falling off his jerseys, pads, and skipping, waving to fans, leaving the field. I think it's such a different environment. I can't remember which DC Defenders former player it was talking about the fan base. He goes, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced. He goes, and I'm not saying in a bad way. He said, I know that's where people's minds are. It is so unique and so special and like such a happy place. He goes, I don't know how to explain it. I wish I knew which player that was. He he was a defensive player. Right. I can't think of his name. But I remember seeing one of those interviews and it is, it's almost like, you're a part of something special. And he you're realized You're a part it. of something different and special. You've seen the NFL for 75 years. You know what it is. You you all have to walk in this in between the lines. But the, over here, you've got this, and it's wild, and it's different. And it was started by a wrestling guy. And, you know, you don't have to act a certain way. You don't have to dress a certain way. You can have a good time. You don't have to save your paycheck for a month to go to a game. It's just. I don't know. I've never been a part of a motorcycle club, although I've had some friends that is. It's something, I don't know. It's tough to put into words, you know. I think the biggest part about it, because my fiance only made it to the second game, which was the last home game for the Guardians. Uh, I had a buddy go down with me for the first one because I had a pair of season tickets, but she couldn't make it for the first one. But she finally made it when we came down with that whole entourage. I came down with a, you know, rented minivan. We were, at the time, season ticket holders for Syracuse Orangemen football. Uh, I've been to arena football league games and NFL games and stuff. That, but she even says now, even to this day, she's like, there was such a happy environment. She goes, where right. you go to other games and people are yelling at refs, yelling at players for sucking, so you miss it, and, and, and just cussing them out and coaches yeah. and just didn't have that. Yeah, it was not a tense environment like that. When we had the AAF, me and my wife went to a couple Birmingham Iron Games. And it, it was just a blast, man. It was just even, look, the first game we played Coach Spurrier and the Orlando Apollos, which was the best team in the league. And, of course, AAF, they tried to start the league with their main investor having his account frozen, but we don't even need to get into that. It was just, it was so fun, dude. It was so fun. And we were, everyone was like in unison with everything. It it was just, like you said, it was just awesome. It was absolutely awesome. There was, you know, 20 something thousand people there dressed in all black. We, you know, we were all getting gear at the same time and it was something, you know, new. And it's like, it brought everybody together. It didn't matter how much money this person made. It, it brings us all together no matter what we look like, no matter what background we come from. You know, if we're wearing that same shirt or that same hat, today we're, it's like we're brothers, you know, or we're sisters. And like you said, it's different in NFL games compared to spring games. Spring games are fun, man. They're just fun. I think it might have something to do with the fan also. I think maybe there's just a different type of fan for the time being. Most of the casual fans, I think, are not participating in it. I think it's people that are trying to get all the selfies and make it out about a lifestyle. Like, I'm just doing it because everyone else is doing it. I think you're really there with true fans. Who knows where it ends up if things 
if success happened consecutive years and year three, four, and five, things could start to shift. I'm not trying to say it won't, but I do think there's just the energy comes because these are people that are passionate, love it, desire it, right? They just have been craving it in a way wow. that when they finally get it, they're just so thankful for it that they're not going to let something right. root. I know guys that spill a beer. If I was at an NFL game, it might turn around, even though you're wearing the same hoodie or jerseys, the next guy you might start getting in your, right. into each other's face. You're at a game, they're like, no, oh, don't worry about it. And the guy will come back and just hand yeah. him another one. And the environment's completely different. But we could talk about this stuff all night. But, man, this has gone much longer than I thought we'd chat. One other thing, you know, Birmingham lost that team after four or five games. They had the Stallions from 83 to 85. Now the Stallions are back. Already got shirts. You got hats. And we started our fan club group up five and a half weeks ago, and we've got 25, 2,600 members already. At, at this pace, we'll have close to 10,000 members by uh, kickoff April 16th. And we're already concerned about what outfits we're going to wear and where we're going to tailgate, where we're going to meet up. Like, no, we're going to take over this section, you know, where the players come out. And I don't know, dude. It's just. Look, I've been a season ticket holder for Alabama football forever. And spring football, man, don't get me wrong. College is so much better than pro ball to me. And people that have started going to college games will agree with that. Spring football is just awesome, dude. And, and that's what, like you said, me and you are like one and the same. We could talk about this all night long. Right. <laughs> well, some great stuff, Burp. This has been fun. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show. We should yes, definitely sir. do this again sometime. Absolutely. I appreciate you bringing me on, man. I enjoyed it. I'd love to come back in the future. Well, thank you. Till next time. Cheers. For the love of football. Absolutely. Due to the nature of this episode's pre-recording and the outcome of my surgical procedure, next week's episode format is uncertain. It is contingent upon the doctor's orders. If I am cleared to resume light-duty activity, I will be back to cover any XFL developments that I have missed while being away. However, if I am not able to, next week's show will include another previously recorded interview with Brian Roth, where we will discuss which defensive players we would like to see invited to the XFL's player combine in June. So cross your fingers with hopes that my time away is not an extended one. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Let's Talk XFL. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Talk XFL on your platform of choice. Follow Let's Talk XFL on Facebook and Twitter at Let's Talk XFL.
Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to letstalkxfl at gmail.com.